Hey, how are y'all? Is that the COVID version? How is everybody? I'm so glad to be with you here this morning. My name is Michael. Uh, those of you gathered online, we're so happy to be with you. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to be able to gather more and more as the recovery continues. Let's say a prayer together as we look at scripture this morning. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that we get to be with you. And it's just great to be able to sing praise to you and remember your presence with us. And right now we just open our hearts and we open our minds and we, we say if there's something you want to teach us or something you want to say to each one of us today, we're, we're listening. So please speak to us, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to start just by saying a simple, simple phrase this morning that relationships shape how we see ourselves and the world around us. Relationships shape how we see ourselves and the world around us. Can you think of somebody, a relationship in your life, that has dramatically shaped your life, shaped how you see yourself, or shaped how you see the world around you? I bet you can. One person, I have a whole long list of those people in my life, but one person who came to mind was a, a man by the name of Pastor Daryl Gillespie, who pastors a church on the north side of Minneapolis called Proverbs Christian Fellowship. Stephanie and I took a team, maybe, maybe there's some people who are listening today who are on this team. In 2008, fall of 2008, we went to a class called City Matters. Anybody here was in the City Matters class? Stephanie was, I know. My wife was. Okay. We went uh, to North Minneapolis to learn from some folks because our mission statement was how to love our community in the name of Jesus, same as it is now. And we wanted to learn from some other people who knew the city of Minneapolis well. And Pastor Gillespie was presenting in this class. And, and we all became friends with him. And our church became partners in many ways with Proverbs Christian Fellowship. Here's a map that Pastor Gillespie put on the board up on the screen when we were learning from this class 13 years ago. It's a map of the city of Minneapolis in 1935. And you might not be able to see it that well. We'll also have a link to the map itself as a picture online if you want to look at it more closely. But when you look at this map, what you learn is that the city of Minneapolis was structured with racial bias in it. That certain people of certain ethnic backgrounds were designated to only be able to live in certain areas. And certain other geographies were designated where white people would live. Uh, one of the sections, if you look carefully at the map, is labeled the Gold Coast, actually. And it's a, a wealthy sort of white area. Uh, it's still a very wealthy and mostly white area of the city of Minneapolis. Pastor Gillespie put this up on the board to say, if you want to learn to love your community in the name of Jesus, you have to understand its history. You have to understand its relationships. You have to understand the partnerships that have existed, both positive and negative, and also the lack of partnerships that have existed if you really, really want to follow Jesus and do this mission statement that you all are saying is guiding your life and that God's calling you to, then you need to understand these pieces of the city's history. Well, that class turned into a longstanding friendship and partnership, and, and Pastor Gillespie has impacted my life and the, the life of Mill City Church over the last 13 years relationships that God gives us and partnerships that we form in our life, they deeply shape how we see ourselves and how we see the world. 
So think for a second about those people in your life who you know have done that. Just take a second. Think of that one person or a handful of people, maybe a partnership that you entered into in your life that has changed you, has changed the way that you see the world. You can't understand the biblical story. We're in a series right now called The Backstory. We're trying to understand the full backstory in the Bible in order to understand the part of God's story that we're in right now. You can't understand the backstory of the Bible unless you understand the relationships and partnerships that God has formed with human beings over time. And they've changed and they've um, evolved in different ways and God has offered to us different things at different times. And so today what we're going to do is take a look at the ways God has offered relationship and partnership throughout um, the Old Testament and part of the New Testament to try to understand where we're at in the current moment. The word that the Bible uses and theologians use to describe this is covenant. Have you all heard the word covenant before? The word just simply means that, that God has struck up partnerships between God's self and people. That's a simple way to think of a covenant. It's a partnership between God and people initiated by God. Uh, one definition of covenant that might help you understand it a little bit comes from a woman named Whitney Woolard, who's a really a good writer and a theologian. She says, a covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two parties make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. They're often accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. You can think of like a wedding ceremony where people are saying, this is my commitment to you, and there's, a, um, there's people gathered, and there's often a party to celebrate the covenant that's being established. Covenants contain defined obligations and commitments, but they differ from a contract. This is a really important piece of today's teaching. They differ from a contract in that they are relational and personal. So you enter into a covenant, and God enters into covenants with us that are deeply relational and personal. It's different than if you've ever signed for like a car loan or a mortgage or something, where you're just agreeing contractually to make payments, and you're, you're not friends with the banker or the car loan person, probably. But when you enter into a covenant agreement with someone, you're saying, not only do I agree to this these stipulations, these things that we're going to do together, but I'm committing to you as a person. I'm committing relationally to you. And so this backstory of the Bible has a number of key moments where God has offered these relationships to us, these partnerships, and we've agreed to them as humans. And God has said, here's what I promised to you, and here's what I'm asking back in return for my promise to you. So we want to take a minute and look at these, uh, the major ones anyway, in the backstory of God in order to really understand where we're at now. There's also a Bible project video that we'll share a link to. It's about five minutes long that goes through all the covenants. And if you want to watch that when you have a moment, it's also a helpful teaching tool for understanding how these covenants work in the Bible. So I want to talk about five major covenants, and I'm going to go through them real quick. The first one uh, comes through the person of Noah. Remember the story of the flood in the Bible. And God makes a promise after the, the earth has flooded to Noah, a covenant, relational covenant, to say, I will never let that happen again. I promise you peace, and I promise you protection. And that covenant is really unique in that God didn't ask anything from Noah. He ju God just said, I promise this to you. I promise you peace, and I promise you protection, and the symbol will be this rainbow that will remind you of my, my promised protection over you. 
The second covenant that we come across, major covenant, is with the person of Abraham, where God promises to Abraham in Genesis 12, I'm going to make your family very numerous, very large, and I'm going to bless your family, and through your family, there will be a blessing to all the rest of the world. You'll be like a conduit of blessing to all the rest of the world. Then there was a third covenant that God made with Israel. As Israel was coming out of Egypt, they were in captivity in Egypt for a long time, and God brought them through the Red Sea. Some of you might be familiar with that story. And God gave them Ten Commandments and other laws to guide them and say, I'm committing to you to be in a loving, faithful partnership, to protect you, to be your God, and you'll be my people. And I'm asking you to live this way, according to these Ten Commandments and these other guidelines, and not just because that's a good way to live, but so that the rest of the world will know what a loving relationship with God looks like. So you will be not only a loving partner with me, but you'll also be a witness to the rest of the world for what, what this God is like and what community with God is like. Fourth covenant came through the person of King David. And God made a commitment to King David and said, I covenant with you so that someone from your family will always be on the throne, will always be the leader of my kingdom forever and ever. And our kingdom will expand and be uh, making things right where they are wrong, offering justice and peace to everyone. And your family, your lineage, your descendants, your kids will be the people who help lead that. I promise that to you. So each of these covenants, if you look at them all, I kind of try to put them up there for you so you can see them all at the same time. I like to think that each of the covenant is a piece of God's plan to save the world. You see this kind of progression, right? That God offers peace and protection. That God offers family and blessing. That God offers um, love and witness to the rest of the world. That God offers justice and a righteous kingdom for us to all live in. And we come to this text that I want to read for you this morning in Jeremiah chapter 31. The prophet Jeremiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, says, these covenants are not enough, and I'm going to establish, God is going to establish a new covenant. That's one we want, the fifth covenant that we need to learn about this morning. Here's what Jeremiah says, again, hundreds of years before Jesus came along. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord. So this is God speaking through Jeremiah. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. I want to take a minute just to unpack this new covenant description we have in Jeremiah. So he starts off by saying that the previous covenants have broken down, not because God didn't keep God's promises, but because we broke our commitments back to God. When you think right now in this moment in your life, can you think of any moment 
in your relationship with God where you know you haven't held up your end of the bargain. You haven't done what you know God asked you to do. You haven't lived as the person who you know God created you to be. It didn't take me very long to think of some of those moments in my own life. Moments I'm not necessarily proud of. The struggle to to keep uh, up and try to follow the ways that God teaches us is very hard, isn't it? All of us have fallen short of that. All of us have made those mistakes. And God is simply noting that here. I made these covenants with you, but you couldn't hold up your end of the bargain. So I'm going to make a new covenant, he says. God sends Jesus to establish this new covenant, and Jeremiah gives us some hints as to what that new covenant is going to be like. First, he says, it's not like the covenant made God made with Israel, like the one that declared God's loving relationship and the witness to the world. Instead, God will write God's law in our minds and on our hearts. So think again about when they came out of Egypt and you had these dramatic um, tablets, stone tablets with laws written on them. Or even when the, later when the kings had um, temples and such, they would have scrolls that only the kings and the scholars would have access to. They didn't have phones in their pockets where they could just Google anything they wanted to. And so people got this idea that if you wanted to understand what God loved, what God cared about, you had to listen to these folks who had access to these stone tablets or had access to these scrolls, and they would tell you what God cared about, and then you could respond. God says, no, no, this is going to be way more accessible than that. Every single person who wants to have covenant relationship with me can have my law, my way of living life, written on their mind and in their own heart. The hierarchy of there being certain people who know what God wants and certain people who don't is broken down. So if you want to be in a loving, personal covenant relationship with God, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be in a special position. You don't have to work at a church. You just have to want to be in relationship with God and receive what God has for you. And God promises to write God's way of life on your mind and on your heart. Everyone will have the chance to know God personally. He says the neighbors don't have to tell people to know God anymore or teach them who God is because every single person will have intimate personal access to the Holy Spirit of God in their life. We're used to some of this kind of talk now, but in Jeremiah's day, this is a radical thing. You're telling me everybody from the lowest, poorest person to the most important king will all have access to God's spirit in their own life? Really? God says, if you want to know me, if you want to personally engage with me, I will be with you. We sing songs about this all the time, don't we? That no matter where we are, the Spirit of God will be with us because that's God's promise to us. And then finally, Jeremiah describes how God is going to forgive our sins and not remember them anymore. So all the ways that we haven't held up our end of the bargain, still today when we're not holding up our end of the bargain, God says, I will forgive you of those things. I'm not going to wait for you to get it right. I'm going to forgive you and free you from that burden so that you can live differently and listen to what I have to say and step into that relationship with me. Jesus, when Jesus comes along hundreds of years later, he tells his disciples that he is the new covenant that Jeremiah was talking about all those years ago. And here's a text from Luke 
chapter, uh, chapter 22 that we often read when we're getting ready to talk about communion, the practice of communion and remembering Jesus' death and resurrection. Listen to what Jesus says as he's sitting at dinner with his disciples the night before he died. It says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the, the cup, the cup of wine, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the new partnership, the new relationship in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table, and the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. Jesus gives him a hint that Judas is going to betray him. But he says, this cup, this blood that I'm about to shed on the cross, it is this new covenant that Jeremiah was describing to you all those years ago. Jesus says that through his death and his resurrection, a new covenant partnership with God is available to anybody who believes in him. Doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter what your skin tone is, doesn't matter what you know or don't know, doesn't matter how much money you have. The new partnership and relationship with God through Jesus is accessible to everyone. Tim Keller talks about this, Pastor Tim Keller in New York City, talks about it like this. He says, Jesus is the new and better Noah. He's the one through whom God's promise will last forever, God's promise of peace. It now comes through Jesus. Jesus is the new and better Abraham, the one who will bring blessings through God's family to the whole world. Jesus is the new and better Israel, the one who can actually hold up uh, the end of the bargain that the Israelites agreed to and, and be a witness to the whole world of what God's love is actually like. And Jesus is the new and better David who will extend God's kingdom and sit on David's throne to establish justice and peace all over God's creation. Everything that God was working to accomplish through those previous covenants that we saw are now true through Jesus. Jesus is our peace and protection. Jesus is our family and blessing. Jesus is our love and witness. Jesus is our justice and the king of God's kingdom. Amen? At Mill City Church, we often talk about partnering with God. I'm sure you've heard that language if you've been around here at all, or joining God's work. Well, this is where that language comes from. We're talking about this new partnership, this new covenant that God's offering to us, that we're being invited to partner in God's work of saving and restoring the world all the way from the very beginning when God created us, we've been invited into that. This is the backstory that helps us see why we keep emphasizing for all of you This is the moment to discover what is God's role for you in this work that God is doing. Jesus invites us to accept this gift that he's offering to us. Through his life and death and resurrection, anybody who says, I believe in Jesus, I accept and trust that Jesus' death and resurrection offers me, promises to me, God's forgiveness and love and mercy and presence and my life will be changed, and then I submit myself back to God's leadership every day so I can do the things that God wants done in the world that God loves. This is the new partnership that God offers to every one of us through Jesus. I am by no stretch a poet, but when I wrote this last little bit, it looked better in the form of a kind of a poem. So you'll forgive me, those of you who are better poets. But, but here's a, a way to think about this invitation that Jesus is offering to us. Jesus invites you and us, all of us, into a relational partnership 
that offers each of us forgiveness of our sins, inclusion in God's family, the presence of God's spirit, and an important role participating in God's work. Amen? Jesus invites you and us into a relational partnership that offers each of us forgiveness for our sins, inclusion in God's family, the presence of God's spirit, and an important role participating in God's work. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you as we close today, what kind of partnership and relationship do you think God wants to have with you? Not, not, not the Sunday school answer to this question. Take a personal moment here at the end of this sermon. What kind of relationship and partnership do you think God wants to have with you right now? February of 2021. It might be for you. You might be listening to this message and saying, this is the first time I've ever heard anyone tell me that God wanted to partner with me. That's not how I've thought about God in the past. I've never heard that God wanted to have a personal relationship with me. I've thought of God as more of like an idea or a universal force that's out there and real. But this idea that God became one of us, actual humans, to connect to us on this relational level, that's a new idea for me. I want you to hear me say this morning that God wants that kind of deep relationship and partnership with you. And if you want to enter into it, all you have to do is say to God in your own way, in your own words, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to, I want to understand what it's like to have your spirit live in me and guide me, forgive me, and show me the work that you have for me to do in my life. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Or maybe you're a person who, if you're honest, thinks God is slightly disappointed with me in February 2021. The reality is that when I think about relationship with God, I mostly think about it in terms of duty and obligation. When you think of God, you think of a lot of rules and things you're supposed to do. When you think, uh, um, when, you, when you don't do a lot of the things that God wants you to do, and you imagine that God's mostly disappointed that you're not doing the right things. God's not happy with you. And so relationship with God may be mostly about feeling guilty. Anybody feel mostly guilty when they think about their relationship with God? I know there's some of us out there. I hope you can hear in this new covenant, this new partnership description, that that's not what God wants for you. God is not asking us to live the rest of our lives feeling guilty for the ways we haven't been able to hold up our end of the bargain. God figured out that we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain, right? The good news is that God knows that already, and God says, I will send my son to do all the things that you couldn't do on your own so you can be free from those obligations, and we can be in loving relationship, and you don't have to feel every day like you're not measuring up. And the grace of God can change your life and the way you see yourself and the way you see the world so that you can be free and you can love other people in the name of Jesus without worrying about what they think about you or thinking that your identity is tied up in your actions. God wants to forgive you and guide you and free you from the guilt that you feel. Ask God to forgive you and to accept God's forgiveness for you. And then this one last possibility. It's possible that you've only thought about God as kind of a friend or a buddy 
who just really wants you to be happy in your life. I meet lots of people who seem to think of God as this kind of distant, jolly person who mostly cares about them pursuing their own happiness. You don't think of God as having any kind of expectations of you at all, other than to just do in life what makes you happy. But what we see in Jesus, right, is that there's a great cost to what God did for us. Jesus paid an enormous price to establish this new partnership, this new covenant. There was a great cost to forgive us and free us from the sin that impacts our lives. Following Jesus means then that we get to be in loving relationship with God and let God direct our lives then. That's the commitment that we're making back to Jesus. There's nobody that you should trust more to lead your life than Jesus and God's Spirit. The more we love Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. The more we love Jesus and let Jesus love us, the more we learn to be like him and love other people the way that Jesus does. That becomes the most important thing in life to us. How do we become more like Jesus and love people? Not because we're trying to earn God's, God's relationship, but just because God's already established that relationship with us. Jesus wants to partner with you. Jesus wants to partner with us as a church community. Jesus has done everything to fulfill the obligations of those old covenant, those old agreements, and now offers us a new way to partner with God. By accepting the gift of grace and forgiveness that Jesus is offering to us, we can join God's work in making the wrong things right in the world that we live in. And we know that those of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ because of this new partnership, we get to live forever in God's presence when evil is defeated and all the wrong things are made right and all sickness and death and tears and suffering and COVID are wiped away. That's coming to us. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We, we just can't even say thank you enough for this new partnership that you offer to us. God, help us to to grab onto it today. Whether we've been followers of yours for a long time or we're not yet followers of yours, we want to hear this good news this morning that you have done what we need to be loved by you. We don't have to, we don't have to own up. We don't have to earn it. We just have to accept and let you love us and give our lives over to your direction, God. We couldn't be more grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.